This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Toby Goldstein, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad you're here. 14 minutes late. We had technical glitches. Uh, you know, I always say technology is a blessing and a curse. Uh, Toby couldn't get her microphone to work. It, it, the computer said, no, you cannot talk to Mark today. But we finally got it to work out. <laughs> yeah, I said, I'm not giving in. I don't care what you say, computer. I'm getting my way. <laughs> <laughs> So before we get started, I want to put you in the context for my audience. Who are you and what do you do for a living? Awesome. My name is Toby Goldstein. I'm the founder of Bite Size Workshops. I like to get straight to the point. I focus on employee engagement and with that comes soft skills. Think of communication, time management, all wrapped into employee engagement. One of the things I used to say a lot when I used to go out and speak, uh, when I would speak about email, because email, we can, you talk about communication, email can just get out of hand really quickly. I used to tell people, get to the point, stick to the point. In other words, say it in as few words as possible. No one wants to read 17 major paragraphs. So when you said you get straight to the point, that was music to my ears. Oh, yeah. I, I can't sit. No, I don't have ADHD. I still can't sit. <laughs> I love it. So let's talk about employee engagement in the age of COVID-19 and the age of the pandemic, because so many people used to go to a corporate environment. Now they're working from home. And how do you have employee engagement when you're like on Zoom calls? So talk to us about that. It's a very good question. I see right now is when all the shades fall and everybody can see what employee engagement was like before the pandemic, before everything started falling. Because if your employees can work at home, that means that your employee engagement was strong. If your employees are struggling, then perhaps they were struggling a little bit before that. Now, it is a possibility you can work remotely and still have employee engagement. The two can actually work parallel and alongside one another as long as you're aware of it and as long as you know what's needed. And it's interesting because a lot of people would say, okay, so tell me, how can I ensure that I got employee engagement when my employees are working remotely? It's impossible. No, it's not impossible. <laughs> you just have to know what to do and how to do it. And these things are possible. Okay, so you've got our interest peaked. So how can we ensure employee engagement uh, working remotely? Great question. So first, I say, you know, with any question is you really got to know yourself, your company and your employees. Some employees, you know, have different needs at this point. So you really need to know your flexibility piece is definitely going to have to be perked up. But you really need to know what your what your employees actually need in order for them to thrive during this time. Another important factor is you must keep yourself as a group. You're not working as individuals. You are still part of a company. You're still part of a team. You still have colleagues. And you must make sure to always emphasize this point so people don't feel alone. Majority Human are social creatures, so majority of the people work best as a team. Yes, you definitely could hear people work, you know, like to work themselves, but they still must feel a part of a team. They still must see the fruits of the labor, the work that they're putting in. And that's one thing that I tell all my clients, any company that reaches out to me, you must have a weekly meeting with your team members. And people are going to say, it's impossible. There's no way I could do something like that. Well, then wave goodbye to employee engagement, I tell them. 
Hmm. Now, besides not having weekly meetings, which is I, I take it from what you just said is a mistake that people make. What are some of the other mistakes? And before you answer that, I also have another question just literally popped in my head. There are some people who are working from home who have no business work from home. They're not disciplined enough. How do you handle that? So it's a juggle. People just need to understand working from home for some people is a big bonus, but it can still be a juggle. And that's something that people need to understand is flexibility, as I mentioned before, is an extremely important component over here. Why? Because some people have children at home or spouses working from at home as well. And they have to understand that in the past, I was able to come into the office, work from nine to five, that nine to five has changed because at three o'clock, some people have children coming home from school or some people's children that, you know, were learning remotely, they stopped and school stopped. So they have to turn their attention to the child or even just to acknowledge that somebody walked into the house. Or if they don't have children, they have to understand that Things change. A doorbell may ring. A neighbor may knock on the door. It's not that you're working in that office where you have different expectations. So flexibility is really key. It's key for an employer to understand that that employees need flexibility. And it's key for that person themselves, for the employee themselves working at home, that flexibility is key. I always say find your strong hours. So your strong hours in the past, you have always worked from nine to five. But right now you realize you could work really well from nine to two. And then you need to take that break. But you know what? 10 o'clock at night, you could really get some work done. It's quiet. Everybody is all set. You could really put yourself back into work. Now, you got to know, you know, flexibility is important. Of course, it has to work. If somebody's working in customer service and is answering phones from nine to five, you can't really answer phones at 10 o'clock at night. So it's taking that step back and that reflection is how can I make sure that it actually works for both of us in regards to working at home? Where does flexibility come into play? And going back to your question about how productive we can actually be, which is extremely important, I say that's where meetings fall into place as well, is because we're making sure that we are on track, we're following our goals, we're getting things done done. If we hit a speed bump, what happens? We could talk about it. We could reflect. We can plan. If you're not constantly meeting and keeping up to date with everything that's happening, things are going to fall to the wayside. Things are going to be forgotten. Things are just, you know, you're going to be focusing on the most emergencies. And that's when people are going to start letting go a little bit. And you have to understand that you can't just let go. You don't want to constantly be extinguishing fires. Does that answer your question? So let me ask you a question about um, meetings, because I was fired from corporate America way back in July of 2005. Um, and I used to go to meetings because I would go to meetings and I would have to get up from my work area and I just drive to another complex and park and go in the building. And, and then the meeting, I sit down like, why am I even in this meeting? So First of all, are meetings more prevalent now that we're so many people working from home? And number two, uh, how can leaders make sure that they're doing effective meetings? Great question. If somebody is coming to a meeting and did not open up their mouth once or is questioning why they're there, the entire meeting framework is out of place. 
every single person that's attending a meeting should be participating in the meeting and needs to be there. So it is important to set up the right infrastructure when it comes to meetings, which means who's running the meeting, the meeting minutes, is everybody supposed to be there? Does everybody need to know something like this? Does everybody play a part with this particular meeting? So people, when you're setting up meetings, it's something that you should be looking forward to. It shouldn't be like, oh my gosh, waste of time. I have so much work to do and I'm constantly thinking about the work. It should be, I want to attend the meeting. I want to hear what's going on. I need inputs from colleagues. I belong there. So the general infrastructure to meetings is let people know what you're talking about beforehand. Meetings should not be one person talking. It's engaged. It's yes, we have a couple things that we want to cover. We have you know, you can set up having different people taking turns taking the mic when it comes to the meetings or running the meetings. It should not always be the same person. And always making sure that you're covering the topics that you need to cover. And whoever is there should be there, which is an extremely important component. Because if somebody is attending a meeting and does not want to be there, the entire fizzle is taken out. Like the entire excitement from the meeting and the interest of the meeting is all of a sudden people's cell phones start coming out and people start, you know, head starts swirling, people start doodling. If that's what's happening, then your meetings are not effective. So everybody has to take that step back, reflect and take a look and say, are my meetings really important and set up? Well, are all the people that should be there, are they there? So generally what I say is that you should have weekly meetings. It's my clients love coming to the meetings. They love setting up the meetings and we have different ways that we can engage people during the meetings. But the meeting format is so crucial. And that's interesting that you're mentioning that because that's a little bit where my bite size comes in. Give me what I need. Let me go afterwards so I can just go implement what you're sharing. Don't just, you know, go on and say things that are not relevant or not important to me. Same things with the meetings. Let the people know, have the format prepared. Let the people know what you're covering. Make sure the people that should be there are there. Make sure that you're getting participation from all the people involved. Generally speaking, meetings should not have too many people in that place, unless it's you want to share information rather than having an engagement meeting, having the people engaged. So that's extremely important. And then I usually say a follow-up, um, you know, just to let the people know what you covered. Make sure that your meetings are extremely punctual, held on time, finished on time. I usually say finish, you know, five minutes earlier so that people can know that you respect their time and that they know that, hey, we have the meeting scheduled from this time to this time. It's not going to be going over. So yeah, your meeting infrastructure is vital in order for you to have successful meetings. Hey there, it's Mark, and I want to invite you to become a Mark Struchowski Insider and get the top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs absolutely free. It all happens over at MrProductivity.com. Is the structure of meetings different on Zoom as it is when we're in person? To a certain extent, yes, because you're not physically there. I also say to keep the people's engagement is a little bit harder because the people are staring into a screen camera versus having, you know, the physical body in, in that room. So yes, it is different, but there is a way that you could still keep people engaged. Usually what I do and I, you know, share with others is make sure that you get the movement in there, have them raise their hands, 
you know, physically just in the cameras. Does everybody agree with me? Just raise your hand so I see where we're up to so that the people get moving and are engaged and following along. And there's many options when it comes to Zoom in order for you to hold successful meetings. Know your team, know what they need. You can hold polls, you can hold surveys, you can have different people, you know, with different meetings. I had seen um, companies having you know, hold it at that every meeting is being held in a different room of every person's house so that the people could see the rooms. But that depends on your company and your culture. So, you know, they, there was a company that had every employee share something around their house by the meeting. That's how they opened up the meeting. So meetings definitely are going to look different. In a way, it's a little bit harder to engage. And therefore, it's extremely important to remain focused and the meeting infrastructure really must be in place so that the people don't get lost. There is that term, the Zoom fatigue, and Zoom fatigue is real. Yeah, now that you mentioned that, I, you know, I've been in a couple meetings and, you know, uh, podcast interviews, and they're on video, and this, this interview we're doing here is audio only, and it's really difficult for me to keep looking at that green mm-hmm. dot on my MacBook, okay? It's really, I find it very distracting because I'm sitting there going, okay, I've got nothing to say. It's not my turn to talk, and because you're on camera, you can't be looking at your very easily. You can't look at your phone or do something else. And so I, you know, I'm glad you brought up of zoom fatigue because so many people are on zoom calls all day, all week long, and, and it's frying people's brains. And I think we need to space these meetings out more. Do you agree? A hundred percent. Going back to that reflection piece, a person really must know themselves and know what they need. Some people perform better in the morning, some people in the afternoon. Some people could perform a whole day, but they need that hour break between. Some people would say, you know what, only on Mondays and Wednesdays can I have Zoom meetings. So it depends, but the person must take that step back, reflect, acknowledge what their needs are, and then move forward because they know what they actually need. So yes, Take into consideration Zoom fatigue. It's not the idea that, oh, I'm working from home and this is exhausting. It's what is exhausting, why is it exhausting, and what are you going to do about it? So I want to ask you this question because uh, based on what you just said, what if you get invited to a meeting, whether it's an in-person or a Zoom meeting, and maybe you don't feel you're a good fit or you're swamped with work or you just don't want to go to a meeting, how would you recommend people handle that invitation? So it really depends the context on what that meeting is for. If it's a meeting that you're invited from your company as a team meeting versus a sales meeting or versus an introduction meeting. So every one of them are going to be taking, you're going to be taking different actions. Whether it's a team meeting, that's something that you really cannot get around because there are going to be expectations. But the thing is, is you could come up with suggestions that is going to make it work for you. Maybe have, you know, offer to have the meetings later on in the day, maybe a little bit shorter, maybe should be coming out with a purpose or what's going on that those team meetings are a dreadful moment. And I always say is if your employees are dreading your team meetings, then ask yourself why. Take that step back to reflect because there is an answer why. It's not just because they hate it. Why do they hate it? People don't don't just hate. There's a reason. And if they don't know what the reason is, is dig a little bit deeper. And the same thing is moving on to the sales call. Why are you dreading that sales meeting? Because you feel that it's not a good fit. So then why are you having that meeting? Right? People sometimes jump into it without taking that step back for reflection. Maybe you don't need that meeting. 
Or maybe you do need that meeting because you want to fill your quota or you want to make that sale, but you know what? You're too exhausted right now to do well and you're for sure not going to make that sale. Then maybe push off the meeting or suggest that it should be done at a later day or a different hour that works best for you. Once again, if you know what works for you, you're going to know the best time for something like that versus an introductory meeting or just, you know, a quick greeting or a, a hello um, or a networking meeting. The question that you have to ask yourself is, do I want to do this? Why am I dreading it? If you're dreading it, then why are you doing it? So it's always taking that step back to reflect and to ask yourself, I would call them hard questions because you're not going to get answers and you're not going to solve the problem if you don't ask yourself these hard questions and really embrace them. What are your thoughts about surveys, whether they're confidential or not, for employees? I, when I left corporate America back in July 2005, I didn't leave. I was fired. But they used to do this thing where you would get an opportunity to do a confidential survey. So they didn't even want using the work computers. They wanted you to go home and do it because they really wanted to know what your thoughts were. What are your, what are your thoughts on, on surveys like that? I hear the reason why they're using surveys. I think the important thing really, it's not the surveys, it's the culture that is going on in the company. And then what are they doing with those surveys? Did you see change? Did you see them taking it seriously? Did you feel that they listened to you once you had completed a survey or acknowledged, you know, what was going on? The question really is not so much the surveys. Some people are uncomfortable and some people prefer the surveys because they don't want to put something in the suggestion box or share something with the supervisor. They prefer the confidentiality over there. So that really goes back to the culture. And I would ask you, and I would say, you as an employee, what were your thoughts? And not only what were your thoughts, but what were your colleagues' thoughts? To be honest with you, when I got the survey, I had the doubts in my head because prior to the survey being rolled out, I worked for the company for several years and I know that they're not, they don't really care about the feedback of the people. And the only reason why I had a little bit of hope is because the survey was not going to my boss. It was going to the committee formed by the CEO of the company. And this company, this, this committee allegedly, I don't know for sure, was made up of uh, directors, assistant directors, managers, supervisors, and even some people on the front lines. Now I was fired within like a couple months after the survey was taken. So I don't know if anything resulted from that, but it's fascinating to hear your, your, uh, your thoughts on the employee surveys. Yeah. So, you know, it is important. And just hearing, you know, your thoughts that you had seen the culture before that they didn't take these things seriously. And what's very important for companies to know is if you're rolling out surveys that you want the employees to take the survey seriously, the first time I always say, take a look at your data the first time you're going to have to prove that you take it seriously, how many employees filled it out, see the percentages that you had gotten. When you're doing a second survey with hope that you had actually taken their words seriously, acknowledged what they had said, you're going to see a difference. The survey responses are going to look different. If you had done nothing, then most of the surveys, like 
responses are going to be flat. They're going to remain flat. People are going to be like, listen, nothing is anyhow going to change. Why should I just tell them the truth? I'll just put everything as neutral or everything as, you know, if you're numbering from zero to 10, I'll just put everything in as five. So that's a concern. That's a real concern for companies. If everything is numbered as five, that's a much bigger concern than if everything is numbered as zero straight down or 10 as, as straight up is because people don't care. And that's a concern. Well, Toby, you gave us a lot to think about today. And you're like me. We both talk very fast. So even though we're only 20 minutes in, it's probably like a 50-minute episode right now. But that's okay. I love people who talk fast. So I want to pivot to something I end every episode with. And that's Mic Swap, where I give you an opportunity to be a temporary host of the Mark Stuchowski podcast. Just don't ask me my credit card or social security numbers. Any other question? Uh, is on the table. Even if I don't know the answer, I'll tell you I don't know the answer. So, Toby, it's all yours. Awesome. Thank you. It's fun to have the mic. Let me ask you, Mark, what was your favorite podcast out there? The episode that you had done? Of mine? Mm-hmm. I interviewed a gentleman named John Beatty, and he summited Mount Everest. I have never spoken to someone uh, who summited Mount Everest. And I tell you that I geeked out over him like little girls geek over their, their rock stars because I am so amazed at anybody who could actually go all the way up to the top of the world, literally. And he told us all about, you know, it's not a walk in the park. It's very difficult. It takes uh, 10 weeks to get up there and like like an hour to, or it's like 10 hours to get down. Really crazy. So that was my favorite episode. That's really cool. And always be t- we could take those lessons back and say, you know what? Listen, it was hard work, but it was worth that climb. And, you know, taking a look at business. Business is hard work. Without the hard work, you're not climbing up. You're staying flat. You're staying neutral. And that's the biggest concern, you know, saying that we had just said before is you can't stay neutral with anything. You got to have those up and downs over there. Okay. Got another question? The problem, my other questions are probably going to pop up as soon as we close off this episode. (laughs) Okay. That's all good. Well, then the final question I have for you is where can we go to find out more about you and what you're doing in the world? Thank you. So you can take a look at my LinkedIn page. That's Toby Goldstein, T-O-B-Y Goldstein. Or you can take a look at my website. That's gobitesize.com. You'll see some information over there. And then you can actually buy me from my clients and referrals. I can give you, you know, names. And that's where you really hear the real stuff. Excellent. Well, Toby, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate your time and your insights. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski Podcast. I really hope it served you well today. Now head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com. Sign up to be a free Mark Stuchowski Insider. Get my top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs. Absolutely free. It's my gift to you. And until tomorrow, my friend, go be productive.